you've entered into the world of alternate realities. Here, paradigms are shifted, minds are blown, and veils are lifted. Actual supernatural experiences are brought to life through storytelling by the people who experience them. Welcome to Adventures in Mysticism with Leah Grant, where the esoteric is explored and consciousness is expanded. Visit adventuresinmysticism.com to further your spiritual development through Leah's latest offerings. And now we continue with this episode's mystical adventure. Welcome. Today we are going to be talking to awakened adventurer and spiritual architect and systems architect and real life Jedi, Adam Apollo. Adam, can you share a little bit more about who you are? Sure, Leah. Um, thanks for having me today on your podcast. Um, my background is that, you know, essentially um, in school as a kid, I felt like there was a lot of holes in the responses I got to some of the hardest questions I asked my teachers. And I ended up being pretty depressed as a young teenager. Um, I lost my stepmother in a car accident, uh, which really intensely influenced my dad's life and my stepbrothers and was in a place of really feeling um, like the, the truth of my life was missing. The purpose of my life was missing. I kind of didn't have any direct spiritual experience, although both of my parents were pretty spiritual people. Um, and essentially I came to this experience and realization that I have a human energy body and I felt this vibrational field around me. And suddenly it was as if I'd unlocked a door in my mind to this massive library of wisdom and information. And I began to see different geometries and see how they related to different layers of my consciousness. I became an avid studier and explorer of different mystic traditions around the world. And then essentially became obsessed with unified physics and the study of space time and general and special relativity and loop quantum gravity and string theory, because I wanted to understand why our sciences and why our school systems were not teaching this very fundamental, very provable mm -hmm. um, field of force around our bodies and its implications. The, the fact that you can think of something and feel it uh, non-locally, the fact that you can, you know, imagine you're traveling to some place and actually pick up information from that place, uh, that you can feel it when someone's looking at you from across the room or think of someone and they call you on the phone. Um, these are very direct, real human experiences we have every day, and they're completely missing from our educational paradigm, from our school system, and from the mainstream sciences of our world. So that set me on a journey of exploring education. I built my first company called Access Granted, which is essentially is multimedia educational resource centers. I wanted to build hubs and different urban environments to bring together people around different disciplines to more deeply explore who they are and their gifts. 
And over the years, um, that evolved into me being a speaker on education at the White House, the United Nations with different youth empowerment groups, um, as well as at conferences like uh, International Symposium on Digital Earth and others. And I eventually realized that before building all the brick and mortar schools, you know, Xavier schools for the gifted X-Men training schools, Jedi schools, whatever you want to call them um, around the planet, I needed to actually build a massive network of teachers and leaders and people that can run those courses and can connect those dots. So I set out to begin building online education systems. And that led me to the development of the Resonance Academy for Unified Physics shortly after I co-founded the Unify movement to kind of aggregate millions of people around certain shared desires and concepts. And then I built the Guardian Alliance, uh, which is essentially like a Jedi training school, mysticism school, uh, you know, for self-exploration. And then I've built other academies of the years. And my work has been always stitching through technology, consciousness, and seeking the real keys for how we can augment our consciousness and empower our abilities to fulfill our destiny and fulfill our purpose in the world. Oh, that's fantastic. Every conversation I've had with you, there's always so much depth and richness to it because you don't just talk about this stuff. You live that interweaving. Thank you. Yeah. If we don't live it, we don't learn it. And one of the things I got early on when I was a teenager in high school was that as I was having these experiences, feeling my chi and creating, you know, vibratory fields in my hand, I realized that it was only as useful as my ability to show someone else this experience and give them a crack in the sort of matrix that they'd accepted as normal real life so that they'd start asking the right questions. Um, So I think that when we begin to teach that which we discover, we know it more and more deeply and are able to share those gifts more fully. Mm, That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So I want to dive into some of your experiences because I know you've had some pretty galactic experiences. So let's start with like, what was your first kind of supernatural, paranormal or galactic experience? You mentioned you hadn't had any kind of as a child. So when did it first surface for you? Yeah, um, after I discovered I have this human energy field um, and things started really accelerating in my life uh, in terms of having downloads and visions and things occurring. The first really, really big one that happened that essentially just uh, knocked my socks off, you could say, um, was during a time when I was uh, about, I was still 15. I had just kind of discovered I had this energy body. I used to go and hang out with some of my friends up this road in North Carolina called Caney Fork. And, you know, we would smoke a bowl and hang out and chill and talk and, you know, listen to music. And this day we were hanging out on a couch and we were playing um, the game Tekken on a PlayStation. And, we're listening to Jimmy Buffett uh, and I'm pretty sure it was cheeseburger in paradise. Um, (laughs) Could have been something else from that album. And 
they're playing against each other and I'm watching them battle and they get about to, you know, certain level of life with each other or whatever. And something about it, I just kind of was like phasing out kind of daydreaming as I'm, as I'm, you know, watching them. And all of a sudden I was just in this vision where I was looking at this eye and all I could see was the detail and the richness and the patterns and the geometries inside of this eye. And then I was looking at how that eye was connected to the face and all the parts of this face. And the face was not me. It wasn't someone I know. It was just, it was just a human being, you know, it was kind of this universal human being. And then I saw that being part of the body and how the eye and the face and the body were all connected. And then how the body was connected to the ground, both like through gravity and the pressure of the feet on the ground and the, the breath breathing the air around the body. And, and then the body being part of this plane, this field that was then surrounded by forests and I could see and feel how this person and this body and their breath and their presence was connected even to the forest and electromagnetically. And, and there's, you know, movements of energy through this whole surface of the field of the planet. And it was just going and going. And I zoomed out and saw how land was connected to the continent, was connected to the planet, connected to the water cycles of the ocean and the air, connected to the whole planetary body, which essentially I could see doing this energetic dance with the moon. And notably in this vision, and I didn't know this at the time, but I just saw it and witnessed it and later did the scientific work to kind of verify it, that the earth was not just traveling in like a straight line around the sun, you know, traveling in a single kind of clear orbit, as we're told, it actually wobbles like this because it's in a gravitational dance with the moon and the exact center of that gravity well is not the exact center of the earth. And so the moon is like massaging the whole surface of the earth, causing the tidal flows on the earth, the waters to move on the earth. And that, that waveform and that tidal dance, I could see um, being part of like the living field that allows life and creates life on the planet. Just this incredible beauty of this balance between the earth and moon. And then I saw that whole wave of the earth moon dance um, not only in its own kind of frequency of waveform as it traveled around the sun, but as I became aware of the connection of the center of that gravitational wave to the center of the sun, I also became aware of all the other planets. And I could see that each one was almost like a different molecule. Like each one has its own sets of planets and so has its own electromagnetic wave flow, so to speak, its own kind of massaged balance of the way that all the moons interact with the planetary sphere and reflect the light from the sun and so on and so forth. And I began to see that the entire solar system is like this lens, like a, a, a disc of that essentially is refracting and moving light through it in different ways based on the way that the gravity is shaped. Like the gravity is acting like a lens moving light from the rest of the galaxy and the other stars 
through this sort of solar field in a very particular way and focusing some of that light on Earth and other planets and et cetera. I then began to see that the stars that this solar system were dancing with were creating these um, larger sort of spiraling braids moving through the whole galaxy itself and that all of these spiraling braids were interconnected to essentially the gravitational center of the galaxy itself. Like, mm -hmm. and that the straight line of the body to the core of the earth, to the core of the earth moon system, to the core of the sun, to the core of the galaxy was like this essential unbroken line of energy that then I realized was connected to all of these galaxies mm -hmm this massive galactic cluster that just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I saw all of the webs and the weaves of it um, almost like a biological structure going back further and further and further until it was just blinding white. And then I came out of the surface of all only thing I could describe is like the universal eye, the, the body of the eye of the universe. And and I could see that the whole universe even was part of this energetic uh, cable that was moving in these like massive toroidal like fields in this lattice of fractal geometry with other universal structures and essentially saw that weave forming layer after layer after layer after layer until I was seeing a sphere and the sphere was spinning um, like a field of light and bonded with other spheres. And as I got further back, I was noticing that, that they were spinning spheres of light, but they had light also that was wrapping around them and sort of traveling in all of these spiraling currents. And I began to see how those currents were chaining together and chaining together. And I started to realize I was looking at protons in the nucleus of atoms and electrons traveling around them, creating a braid between molecules. And as I got back further, I realized the molecular structure I was looking at was DNA. And this DNA was wrapping and forming these massive protein spheres, spheres of light, basically, but, but energetically crystalline spheres, like their own little universes. And the DNA is like creating those, and then further and further back, layer after layer, weave after weave, it was chromosomes I was looking at as these organic bodies. And then I saw all of those inside of this nucleus of a cell, which was like a giant universe of data of all of the living information of, of a being. And then the organelles around that, the cellular structure, cells, 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 until I saw tissue layer and tissue layer. And then all of a sudden I'm coming out of the tissue in the pupil of an eye. And I'm looking at the exact same eye as I saw when the vision started. And then boom, I'm back on the couch and I'm looking at Tekken on the TV and they're in the same battle at the exact same moment in the same phrase of the song. And I had just had an experience, which essentially felt like it could have been a lifetime, but, and the level of detail was so specific and so, so intensely rich that, you know, it would take me years to even just unpack all of the things that I saw into my memory and understand all of the things that I saw. 
Um, but that is what became this work that I eventually began to call the unified harmonic matrix, which is like a fractal holographic understanding of how every layer of the universe is interconnected by process, by physics, by the nature of how they operate, the way the energy flows. Um, and to say the least, I was, it changed my life forever. I can only imagine. I mean, just me hearing about it right now, I'm like, I am blown away. I've not heard you talk about that before. And it is, it's intense and it's in depth. And like the resonance of the truth of it is like so high. Like I'm all lit up right now. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. like I feel stuff and I'm like, whoa, like, like this is like the the truth that we haven't been told. Yeah. And that most people don't have access to. So, you know, in that moment, you're feeling like we're this nanoparticle in this giant immensity of something that we don't even have complete understanding of, but yet we make all of it up. Exactly. It's (laughs) not that we're a tiny speck in a gargantuan universe that, you know, has little impact. It's that we're also the entire universe composed into being and the multiverse composed into a being. And so we're both, we're both massive in our impact in the universe and small at the same time. Exactly. And it's because it is us, <laughs> it's all of us. And it's, it's particularly beautiful how we form this event horizon, like membrane between the part of us that is collective which is our planetary body and, and the sort of macrocosmic world and the part of us that is the individual body, that is the universe of cells and tissues and DNA and all of that, that is just us. That's like ours. That is our living field and our genetic field, which is, you know, pristinely ours because we're bringing so much to that that's not just our parents it's not just our mother genetic line and father genetic line i like to say we have a third layer to our genetics which is our soul genetics and that soul genome is literally a data carrier within your astral form as you incarnate that modifies your genes as they turn on and off modifies your genetics and essentially is the record energetic record of every experience you've ever had as a soul throughout all time. Similar to the Akashic records, or do you see it differently? Um, You could say it's a personal, a personal Akashic record. Like if there is a book that is you in the Akashic library, that's your book. That's your, your memory storage across your particular stream of time. Um, And the Akashic library I would say is the amalgamation of all points of reference and the experiential memory streams of those points of reference, um, which is actually, interestingly enough, the actual structure of the protons in the universe. They are the memory storage units for the entire universe. So, you know, in, in mysticism, we like to say as above, so below. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we say that, we don't often really get it because people get caught up in ascension thinking and like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we're just transcending the physical. And then that's where better experiences or better things right. are. But the reality is that everything that we 
go through and experience at higher planes of existence is also reflected holographically in the physical. So there are physical structures, um, the proton being kind of ultimate prime example that, that act as mirrors for the spiritual unfolding and things that go on at other planes of existence. Fantastic. I love how you describe that because I often talk about the both and, and it's the same way that it's a very paradoxical thing for people to understand that we are both super small, both super big, both spiritual, both this, both that, and how those can coexist together. Exactly. So that is a phenomenal experience to have had as your first sort of spiritual awakening experience. And it's a lot of information to give to a 15-year-old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know because I have heard another story that it isn't maybe the most galactic, or maybe it was the beginning yeah. of the galactic stories. So yeah. you have something else that occurred that is pretty phenomenal as well. Would you like to share pieces of that? Because I know it's a much bigger, longer story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um, You know, I've had so many, so many miraculous, incredible experiences throughout my life. It's, it's, it's wild. I, I, you know, at some point I'll need to actually go back and try to kind of dig them all up in memory and write them all down or, or share them all. Um, because, you know, like you said, you're like, wow, I've never heard that story. And, and, and you've never, you know, said that in, in a, in a presentation that I've seen or whatever. And it's true. I I do tell it occasionally in some of my presentations, but it's kind of like, everything's always context. Right. And we, we forget sometimes to tell parts of ourselves that are actually really important parts of who we are. And that, that part of who I am that was the part where I realized that everything is sacred. Everything is God. Everything is perfect. Everything is um, divine, essentially. And it was the experience that truly moved me into my spiritual path, if you could call it that, where I began to really get in touch with my connection to all things And to the feeling of that connection, the feeling of the divine love, this sort of ineffable, undescribable um, flow of charge and presence that exists throughout the entire universe. Um, And and that that field, that flow, the very architecture of our universe itself, gravity holding it all together, you know, you can look at as love. It's the bond of love that holds all things in this beautiful dance of oneness and individuality. Like you can't have one without the other and have experience, have an existence. Um, And so. Yeah, that one was really, really formative for my whole life and my being and everything that I would begin to explore and the way that I would begin to explore it, which is like as a scientist, as someone actually looking at the astrophysical mechanisms and biological mechanisms and the psychological mechanisms that formulate our perception of reality and our experiential flow. And so it was as this scientist that 
I, you know, first really started doing the number calculations of looking at, are we alone in the universe? And the answers that I got just running the Drake equation a few times, just knowing how big things are. And in those days, by the way, this was in the late 90s. That's when I was in high school. Um, in those days, we thought that maybe 10% or less of stars, uh, and that's being generous, have planets around them. And that of the ones with planets, maybe 10% maybe or less would have a planet in the sort of Goldilocks zone that could have life. Mm -hmm. And of those, the likelihood that life would even still develop, we thought was like a 0.001%. And that calculation with just the size of our galaxy alone, not, not to mention that if you take a pinhead on the sky, you've got thousands and thousands of galaxies we can see in, in the side, you know, this big at a pinhead held arm's length in the sky. Right. And, and I did the calculations and there would have been thousands of intelligent life civilizations across our galaxy alone. Right. And right. that was in the numbers then. Well, so, and that's also using the limited definition of what we say life is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Still our, our sort of, um, I would say it's not exactly ethnocentric lens, but perhaps biocentric lens of the right. nature of us as human beings and earth and way we look at life. But I, I'd also had some extraterrestrial uh, visitations, I could call them. As far as I knew, I just saw crazy ships in the sky. You know, that was it. Like, I was like, what? This is a triangle rotating across the sky. My dad, my stepbrothers are witnessing this thing. But it took until 2005. I'd done this prayer run for world peace. Um, with a bunch of indigenous elders and youth, I really just cleansed my whole system out because I literally run from New York to the Black Hills of South Dakota across the country. Um, and I was I basically guided through a step of a series of crazy synchronicities and coincidences to find myself actually going out to the deserts of Northern Nevada for some event called Burning Man that I was literally handed a ticket to and had no idea what I was getting into. Um, and essentially, you know, realized that this place, this city in the middle of the desert is kind of the hub of human creativity. It's, it's sort of a Petri dish of the most creative people on the planet. I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them. And they're literally building a city from scratch in the middle of the desert, creating camps that are basically every archetype across time that you can imagine. And, and so within this kind of experience, you have this extraordinary diversity of cultures, of, of games, of play, of of all of the different sort of archetypes of the ways that humans have played out their experience on the planet. And what I didn't realize was that that was an absolutely perfect stage for there to be extraterrestrial contact happening. And my personal journey was, um, was one that was long enough and deep enough that I won't be able to share that whole story with you here today, 
But for your viewers, uh, anyone who has a subscription to Gaia, you can go to interviews with Ed and watch it on, you know, Amazon Prime or whatever you want. It's it's available across a variety of platforms uh, or through Gaia online. And I tell this whole story, which is two episodes and it's like, you know, three hours long and it gives all my context and everything for for the experience. And for me, that's important because I'm a scientist and like, I don't just say I had this experience and that means it's all true. No, I had to like <laughs> test it and study it and understand it and ground it. Um, but essentially I went through a healing process and I had a extraterrestrial ambassador from another world come down and visit me. And I wasn't the only person who saw her, but I was in a direct communication with her that was the most powerful telepathic experience I'd ever had up till that point in time in my life. Wow. It now was as if somebody like she was mm, about my height, maybe a little bit taller, um, had this robe on that was very long and two strips down the front of the robe that had these little golden, almost illuminated uh, symbols that look like constellation patterns going down the front of her robes. And I could see her long hair coming out. I could see that her ears were a little bit pointed. That could have been, you know, that's easily explainably away, mm -hmm. but her face was definitely not human. And the way that I could tell was that homo erectus, you know, homo sapiens, we all have a skull structure that essentially has an eyebrow ridge that comes to a point right here and terminates. And this edge of the eyebrow ridge sort of forms the shape needed to hold our eyes and the, the structure of our face, the way that we have it as human beings. And no matter what kind of makeup, no matter what kind of movie you watch, if you're watching Star Trek and it's human actors, whatever it is, it's unmistakable. You can still tell it's they're human because they all have that, right? Like there's something about that bone point that's humanoid in a, in a very particular way and are kind of human in a particular way. Um, but she didn't have that bone edge in that position. Hers was back here. And so there was this deeper hollow and it wasn't that her eyes were that much bigger or anything, but it was that they were held within a bigger space. And it, it gave her this sort of, um, elven look that was very beautiful, very almondy. Um, and she had these bone points up her forehead and on her chin and little bits on her cheeks. Um, and of course, you know, all those things you could fake with makeup or something, but the, the bone points here, absolutely unfakeable. And also the fact that when I got within about five feet with her, I felt as though someone had put a VR headset on me, video and audio, because when she communicated into my mind, it was full force visual, like, and, and extraordinarily powerful. And so I have this engagement with her in which essentially she tests me to sort of see, uh, you know, how accepting I am of both humanity's glorious parts, as well as our really challenging parts and the reality that not a lot of us, not all of us are ready, you know, essentially is what she said. Um, and ready for what? That's the question, right? But I knew <laughs> that what it was, was this sort of contact experience, this kind of relationship. And, um, and essentially, 
you know, managed to express to her that enough of us are, and I kind of passed the test um, and, and accepted the sort of field of potential judgment that could have been there and what I was experiencing, what she was showing me. And, and I bowed super deeply to her. And when I came up, she was gone. And these two redneck guys that she was, and I use that term very consciously because I grew up in Western North Carolina and these guys literally had, you know, a still chainsaw hat on that's orange, you know, and he's like, Oh, what the heck's going on here, man? You know, and he's standing there and, and he sees that he notices that she's gone. He saw her when she was there. She was referring partially to these guys when she was saying that not all of us are ready. Um, and so I had this, kind of layers of confirmation of this experience before I went out of this space that I was in where she became present, came in, teleported or however she arrived and departed. And I'm out in the middle of the desert and I end up spinning up my energy field as I'm running across the desert because I'm just like lit with energy and feeling so amazing and so thankful that I was able to make this contact happen. And I'd just been having through this healing experience, all these memories of not being from this world and knowing that if I'm not from this world, then I sure as heck better be able to reconnect with where I am from. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm running across the desert. My Merkaba spins up and I feel this Kundalini surge up through my body and I start running in this spiral-like form. And as I'm doing so, I'm speaking the numbers, one, two, three. And as I do that, literally lights are either exploding or flashing on the city in the distance as I'm running out here in the middle of the desert. And I come around in the spiral to the center and I literally say seven as I look up and shoot out of my body and fly through a wormhole like straight out of the movie contact, you know, like <laughs> wormhole is wormhole, you know? And, and I, then all of a sudden I'm in this massive endless void like space where I can see in every direction, these points of light and I can see 360. So I'm like in my astral body, cause I can kind of see and feel in any direction just by kind of intending. And whenever I look at any of these points of light, they would emerge and become these different extraterrestrial ambassador beings um, of different species, every one of them. And my mind sort of captured in that moment, it wasn't like I counted, but I just knew there were 73 different ambassadors of different species represented in the space. And they, they were all extremely different and diverse, um, but there was also quite a few of them that, you know, are humanoid that look a lot like us that, you know, right. um, essentially you, if they were at Burning Man, you might not even know that they weren't, you know, humans just in a costume or dressed a certain way or with face paint or stuff on, you know, um, so and I then guess there was, that you of course, were in a lot of beings that were very, very different from humans, too. Yeah. Speaking of that, I get that you were in your astral body at this point, but was there like yeah. no fear about like leaving the body or seeing these beings? No, it felt, it felt extraordinarily comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, it felt just like, 
like, oh, finally, I'm I'm back, or you know, something like that. It, it, it felt like relief in my system. Um, and and they were aware of me, and I was aware of them, and they sent me this sort of pulse into my heart that was essentially like a welcome. And then boom, and I'm back on the ground in the desert, um, in the middle of nowhere, out in the middle of this empty playa. And I mean, I felt like my shoes should be smoking. That's what I like to joke about because that level of energy that I felt was so hot. Like it felt like my whole system was just like on fire, you know? And I was also extremely comfortable feeling a huge amount of bliss in my body. And I noticed that while I was back in my body, I could still see all these points of light in every direction. I could still see them. They were still there. And mm-hmm. so now I was like bilocated. Right. And essentially I went through a process with them where what they were doing was basically gauging the level of readiness of the human species at this time to become part of this galactic community. And I just happened to have timing wise and whatever other way synchronized with this juncture in such a way that I could be one of the assistants on earth helping to kind of do this review of humanity. And it happened to be that I'm in this place, Burning Man, which is essentially like this Petri dish of souls from all kinds of different backgrounds and all kinds of different cultures and creativities in one place. So I could actually be uh, uh, a reviewer, so to speak, channeling the information that I was receiving from this particular place on earth into this galactic network. And I knew that I wasn't the only one necessarily, but I, I was participating in a way that was consciously perhaps different from the way that a lot of others maybe participated in this, where some may have been like just meditating. I saw monks like meditating in the mountains kind of connected into the grid. I saw, I saw people in some people in cities that were sitting or they were in a dream and they were having a dream about something like this. Um, There were different points kind of connected in the grid, um, but I happened to be fully awake, fully clear, fully sober, standing in the middle of the desert in full bilocation and moving around this city, essentially uploading the states of consciousness of all of these people to this galactic network and watching them kind of vote yes or no, or these are the things that we do like and do accept and believe that will help you guys become part of this galactic community. And these are things that won't. Mm -hmm. And the way that the next few hours went was, and this was leading towards sunrise, this is deep in the middle of the night, um, was that it wasn't looking great for us, to be honest. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of funk and a lot of this was 2005, right? Yeah. 2005. Uh, this would have been the morning of September 3rd um, in 2005. And, you know, it's it's still Burning Man. So there's like, you know, some girl who like lost her boyfriend last night who's upset and the guy, you know, or dude who's like 
pissed because his girl disappeared or other crew that's like, or a guy that's like tried to take drugs and they didn't work, you know, and he's pissed or, you know, there's all of that kind of funky stuff, you know, or just people drunk or whatever it is. But uh, you know, there was also the threads of good things and the beauty and the poetry and couple in love and the magic between people. Um, but still the tide was not great. But as it got towards sunrise, things started to change. And what actually changed it was that these clouds that showed up, the sort of high level cirrus clouds were reflecting the light of the coming sunrise down onto the playa. And so the playa turned pink with purple cracks, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine that kind of mm -hmm. cracked desert, but it's bright pink, you know, like your pink, Leah, right? Mm -hmm. With deep purple cracks through the whole thing. And the mountains became rich red and the clouds were like gold and silver and peach and purple and the whole sky was a rainbow. And I was going around and I'd feel someone be in this kind of state. And then they'd just be like looking around and go, oh, whoa, <laughs> dang. Phew. And it was like the experience of beauty was just causing this ripple of relief through their system. Mm -hmm. And, and I watched, I, I literally experienced walking by, you know, hundreds of people that literally shifted in, in a matter of, you know, 10 to 20 minutes where it was just like this tide was turning of the shift of energy. And it was this capacity of humanity to change that, you know, as I circuited around by the temple in the center of the city where everyone was gathering from sunrise, because this was the night after the burn, the temple would burn that night. So this, you know, 20,000 people or probably a third of the city is like gathered there. And it's just massive, massive wave that I'm moving through this gargantuan crowd of thousands upon thousands of people. And the uploads are just going crazy. And I'm, you know, just basically hanging on to my sanity as I'm taking step by step, you know, moving into position where I could see the sunrise and and feel like where things got to and essentially that first light of the sun hit the horizon these two points of light two votes above me went bright one went dark and then bright 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 and suddenly it was like the answer it was the yes it was the okay like we're gonna welcome you into this galactic community and we believe you guys have the capacity to do this. Like this is possible and you can do it and it's, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And of course, at that moment at sunrise at Burning Man, also, you know, the wave of cheers that went across the city, the roar across the whole city right. for the sunrise was just spectacular. And me, it was like one of the greatest moments of celebration in my entire soul's existence. It was like, I was watching the moment where a planet was being accepted into the galactic council, you know, in this sunrise moment where I was engaged with it and participating with it. And it was, um, it was just fantastic. It was like, it was absolutely amazing. And, and then I'm walking towards the sun, staring at the sunrise, 
having beings come down telepathically and astrally, and I'm learning from them and discussing with them the transition processes and the kinds of technological developments we need to do and the specific kind of cultural and societal shifts and just recording as much as I could and receiving as much as I could and sharing as much as I could to aid in this process. And a lot of that journey for literally the next four hours or so, as I walked out into the middle of the desert till the sun was almost above my head, um, was really the library of galactic knowledge and wisdom from different species, at least the seeds of that library and the connections that I needed to further develop that library that I share with people and a lot of my work and a lot of my teaching. Mm -hmm. And every business I do, every project that I do essentially is geared towards supporting humanity becoming part of this galactic culture and, and essentially becoming part of an enlightened civilization. That's extraordinary. And I know you've been part of my own personal journey as the designer of the logo you see in the corner of my screen right now and the website that I have. So blessed to have, you know, that little sprinkle of magic on what I'm working on as well. So I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Now, have you heard from them since? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, after that experience, that was the beginning. Um, and really, you know, even just trying to tell people that story was difficult for the first, you know, couple of years. Like, and, you know, I couldn't do it unless it was the right moment, the right context. I mean, even getting back to my camp that morning, I walk into my camp and my friend Ilsa looks at me and she's like, my God, Adam, you look like you just got off a spaceship. This is literally <laughs> what she says to me. Well, of course, because you kind of had. <laughs> I kind of had, you know, and I just must have had that glow or that. I don't know. But um, I couldn't I couldn't even move into articulating English words mm. for a matter of hours and really until after I slept and then, you know, got up later because I was so used to just from a morning of it, speaking in light language and communicating telepathically, which is so fast, so easy, so visual. So like, yep, this, that, nope, sort that, that goes there that, you know, it's, it's, it's just as fast as you can think. And the communication level so deep has all this emotional content and all of that. And you're not having to structure every single word into a syllable that comes out of your mouth. You know, it's like, right. which is way more challenging and difficult. And so uh, I, I essentially would just go, I, I couldn't go home. I ended up in Phoenix, Arizona with my friend there and, um, wanted to call in ships so that she could see them. And I did one night, although Phoenix is a little tricky because it's anytime you're in a big city, it's a little trickier to call in starships. But I made it a thing for a while where I would literally just take groups out all the time and do essentially what Stephen Greer calls the CE5 um, mm -hmm. meditation. But for me, I had my own mechanisms and ways of going about it, which is, you know, heart connection, star linking. I do this kind of star linking technique, open up a channel, call in a ship, talk to the ambassadors, have help other people kind of translate what is being communicated. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just, you know, time after time kind of, 
onboarding more and more of my galactic family here on earth to the reality of this reunion that is forthcoming, that we're in, in the trajectory towards. And it's taking longer as an arc than I thought. I thought it was going to only take seven years till 2012. And I was an ambitious, you know, young guy in my twenties, like, let's do it. 2012. We got this, you know, as part of why I founded Unify was to like, you know, make it happen through aligning millions of people around the world at the same time to peace and connection. And, um, but didn't happen then, but here we are, you know, in 2022, and my God, look at look at the level of penetration of depth of awareness of this now. I mean, we have the Pentagon releasing files. We've got whistleblowers out the wazoo on all the mainstream channels and video. You know, we have we have countless contactees. I mean, I, the amount of people sharing about their experiences with these things now is just a completely different world than it was in 2005. And, yeah, I mean, and it feels that like gives me a know, lot of hope. It feels like the last three to five years have really been when all the disclosure has really started to explode. And it's like got yeah. an exponential year to year from that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely exponential growth. And and that is the primer. You know, we're just being primed for this contact experience and, you know, massive collective reunion. Um And I just, you know, for those listeners out there, I would just say, know that there's a ton of information out there. And the real question that it will come down to is, does the information make you feel more curious and connected and inspired? Or does the information make you feel scared and afraid and and hoping someone's going to save us or save you? Because if it's the latter, it's probably disinformation. I can tell you that this galactic community that exists, that is visiting Earth, these are many of them what we would consider to be enlightened beings. These are like angelic like beings, Mm. Um, but they're physical. They live on worlds. They just don't have the money issues, the food issues, the lodging issues, like all the sort of basic safety stuff that we deal with a lot on this planet and figured out how to have paradise across planetary systems where essentially they're exploring new worlds and new civilizations and going where no being has gone before and doing it in this extraordinarily beautiful, peaceful way. And they look at earth and see humanity and we're not an enemy. We're not a resource. We're not like a planet that they need a bunch of gold from or some crap. Like maybe that was true for some interplanetary Anunnaki species, maybe long time ago, but that is not the situation that we're in at a planetary scale. Now no, we we're are like in a situation the day, we're like where the we're daycare like, center now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's, I would say more like, more like the teenagers that um, are about to get their driver's license, you know? So we're on like a permit level at the moment and like, you know, still causing problems, still hurting each other, still doing all of that, but they want to see us get through that. They want to see us make it to the other side because we, we as beings are fusions of many galactic genetics and we're here to kind of embody a deeper unity um, if we can work through all the diversity inside of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we could talk for hours 
And I just noticed that we're getting close to our time together today. So you're going to be one of the guides at the immersive that I'm hosting on March 24th and 25th, which is available live for free for any of the attendees. And your topic that you're going to be sharing with us is vibration. Do you want to give just a little taste of what you might be covering in that? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really want to get people back down in, in more in touch with the nature of the vibrational field that we're in, because by understanding this subtle oscillation, every oscillation that we experience is foundational to our life. Uh, the oscillation of our heart keeps us alive, right? The oscillation of our lungs keeps us alive. <laughs> the, the, the movement of our intestines enables us to digest Everything is an oscillation. Everything is a vibration. And, and those are larger physical contexts. But when we get into the subtle physics of the field of space-time itself and start to see the way that consciousness interacts with that field, what we realize is everything is music. Everything is light, right? The musicians had it right all along. It's all music. And all that music is vibration. And by better understanding harmonics, how certain vibrations link together and create harmony and how others create disharmonic energy, in other words, clashes and, and, uh, and, and sort of uh, harmonic waves that create an interference that causes a pressure that essentially moves energy in a way that will then move it into a higher set of harmonics. Um, is, is the dance that we're in. We're in a dance where shadows are pressure that create greater gifts and open us into more awareness and more consciousness of ourselves in the universe. So um, I'm going to go into a lot of that and as well as you know, some practical applications of understanding vibration and geometry within the body um, to essentially enhance you know, how we go about our lives. Oh, phenomenal. So that's going to be so juicy. I can hardly wait. And for Thank those you. of you who are interested in attending, you can visit www.adventuresinmysticism.com and that will guide you to where you can get more information on the event, Spiritually Architect the Future, and join us. So Adam, I want to thank you for being here with us today. We will have all of your information in the show notes if anyone wants to reach out and see what you have going on, which is always a lot. <laughs> yeah, usually. <laughs> is there anything you'd like to say in closing? Go to my website and there's a ton of videos of different talks I've done uh, over the years. And I am, I'm, CEO of a tech company. So I'm pretty full on in my work right now with building this new 3D social operating system. Um, and as you noticed, Leah, earlier, releasing these cool galactic NFTs and doing these, these projects ramping up towards building essentially a starship dashboard for humanity to liberate our social network field and get us our identities back, get us our data back, create better interconnection with each other. Um, and so that's, that's pretty much my, what I'm doing all the time right now and full on in the process of fundraising and team building and, and developing the different components of this system. So I'm a pretty busy guy, but I also have been feeling lately, like I really 
miss the art of working with people individually too. And I have been considering opening up like just a couple client spots to take maybe one day a week to do some deep dive personal work, coaching and consultation. And I can assist people with things across the entire realm of the Jedi arts, so to speak, and self-mastery arts, as well as in business and applying that practically to your lives. So just let your audience know that that's, um, that's something that I'm opening up a little bit of availability for. So if someone's interested in that, just reach out to me through my website and I'll get back to you and, and we can talk and see if, if maybe there's a fit for us to work together. All right. Great. Thank you for offering that, Adam. And thank you so much for being here today. It's always a pleasure to connect with you and have these delightful conversations. Mm, Thank you so much, Leah. It's really an honor and pleasure to be with you. And I love your brand. It's still shining and it's so bright and it's perfect and all your colors are so good. So um, please keep rocking it and doing what you do because it's bringing a lot of good medicine to a lot of people. Thank you. I appreciate that. And for my listeners, please tune in next week where we will have another guest of the Spiritually Architect the Future event sharing their paranormal, supernatural, and galactic stories of adventures in mysticism experiences. Thank you for joining today's Adventures in Mysticism with Leah Grant. To go on more journeys with Leah, subscribe now. To step more fully into your spiritual role of bringing about a positive high-frequency future for humanity, visit adventuresinmysticism.com.